Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, claims of the paranormal, but we take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. And I'm Ross Blotcher. And we're back to tell you more about Teal Swan. Teal Swan. Yeah, fascinating character whose birth name was Mary Teal. She came by that, honestly. Bosworth. Oh, so she, like my known self, took her middle name Mm -hmm. and made it. Her, her first name. First name. I made mine my surname, but yeah. Mm. We both said, this is a good middle name. I'm going to give it more prominence. Fair. Teal is a very cool name. I'm a little jealous. It's pretty cool. I feel like it's a teal color. swan's it's, a little over the top. It's a good color. She did actually marry a gentleman with the last name Swan. Yep. So can't and hold it against her. She married another guy with the last name. Was it Scott? Yeah, because she, she went Scott by Teal for a while. Scott for a minute. And she married another guy, and she married another guy. Uh, so she said four husbands. I, Is she currently single? I think she divorced the fourth husband. I think that's right, too. And nothing wrong with that. And no. she's pretty open about having Ex- troubles with relationships. Extremely open. Yeah, it makes you wonder, uh, healer, heal thine own self, you know, what issues she's dealing with. But there's nothing wrong as long as she's being open and honest with everybody. Yeah, and the flip side of that is the humility of consensual. being honest about it. Not trying to bag on people who have gotten divorces or who are i was going to say open relationships but it seems like she's serially monogamous i think that's but right she'll yeah. date a bunch of people and then d- decide that one is worth marrying and mm-hmm. and then decide that the way he's we worth all do unmarrying. many many people have been there oh forgot to mention her tattoo all right that's important she has a number of tattoos mm-hmm. but one is very prominent yeah on her left bicep correct and it is a circle and inside of that circle is a triangle. Triangle. And, and inside, inside of that of triangle that is a square. Ah, right. And then okay. there's another circle directly inside of that square. They're each kind of as large as they can be inside of the other one. And then they shrink down. She loves shapes. Yeah. Well, it's an alchemical symbol for quintessence, the fifth element. You know, the what? heavenly bodies are made out of. Oh, okay. Because I've seen that image before the first time i saw it do you know what button mash is no i do not oh you'd like button mash it's an arcade with a bunch of old school video games it's a great name for it and button mash they were selling something with that image on it and i remember seeing it the first time and saying is this like an illuminati joke Mm. and then the guy behind the counter said no it's for portal portal the video video game that's weird because i played portal and portal 2 and you don't remember that i don't recall image. that that's interesting it'd be great if teal is just a big portal fan oh my goodness well then she and i would have something <laughs> really you'll be common. your fifth husband <laughs> portal by the way is a great game if you're going to play a game it's fun to watch other people play and the first portal you can play in like three hours i want to invite you over now and watch you play portal okay i'll play portal my favorite game or my favorite video game is indiana jones and the fate of atlantis Oh. Have you played it? I have not. Oh, it's so good, Ross. Nice. I think it came out in 1991. <laughs> it is very much 2D. Okay. It is very good. Is it's it... what I call an FSO, a figuring stuff out game. Oh, then you'll like Portal. It's a series of puzzles. 
you start as just, you know, someone who's a test subject inside this lab and the computer's walking you through various exercises, but the concepts and then build upon each other and then a story starts to creep in. Okay. And I don't want to give any more away, but it's it's delightful. Okay, cool. And so many people are going to write us. Portal is the best. Carrie, you got to play <laughs> Portal. So. Well, that's it for our show. We'll have a game night. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, you know, her symbol also reminds me of, in Harry Potter, the... Have you ever thought about how Harry Potter sounds kind of like Carrie Poppy? I haven't. Well, I have. Yeah, well, I mean, you're right. I just haven't thought about it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. The Deathly Hollows symbol looks oh. a lot like hers in Harry Potter. Here, I'll show you a picture. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, see now. You got okay. a triangle with a circle and then okay. a vertical that line. is 100% what was at Button Mash. What? And yeah. they told you that was Portal? And he said it was Portal. Nope. That is totally what it was. He's wrong. So that is a symbol of the uh, Cloak of Invisibility. Okay. And the Elder Wand and the Resurrection Stone, of course. I'm really hoping that this will be the year I get into Harry Potter. Because aren't there Christmassy stuff? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, when they go to Hogsmeade and uh, there's snow everywhere. Oh, totally. Is there Christmas stuff in the first book? That I don't recall. But if you read the first book, you'll get into it and want to read the others. You can catch okay. up to Andrew. My son's okay. reading it. I mean, I read 100 pages once. You did. Of the first and book. Just, and it, I was like, oh, this isn't for me. It, oh. But I'm hoping, because it was probably 10 years ago. No, it was more. Anyway. Like, if anything is a common denominator of reading, mm-hmm. it's Harry Potter. You'd think. You'd think the Bible should be the most readable thing. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's written by God. Yeah, but it's nope, not. it's not. Leviticus, really boring. You know what's really good, though? The book of James. Yeah. A really beautiful book. The what? Power of the Tongue. Do you I remember what this episode's about? Oh, Mary Teal Bosworth. Oh, Teal, Teal Swan. Swan, that's right. Yep. So after our lunch, we went back. Oh, hey, guys, quick warning. There will possibly be some talk about some hard emotional stuff in this episode, including possibly talk of suicide. There's your warning. So when we came back from lunch, we immediately went into another group exercise. At first, Teal brought up somebody just to illustrate what she was trying to do with this. Uh, So it was another tall, beautiful lady. And Teal wanted to get the core of what her issue was. And that is one of Teal's main MOs is to get to your core belief. What is really bothering? Okay, okay, you say what's bothering you, but what is actually bothering you? And I kind of like this. You're asking, okay, so you're saying you don't like to... Be interrupted. Very good. I say interrupting you. I love it. You don't like to be interrupted, but w- what does that actually do to you? Well, you know, Why is that irritating to you? Where right. did that come from? And those are cool questions to ask. It kind of reminds me like when you talk to a, a group of programmers, instead of wanting to know which button you want where on the program they want to know what are you trying to do because mm-hmm. there might be a better way to go mm-hmm. about it right yeah and well, yeah that's I, a good analogy i feel like in a similar way she's trying to get to that this again like reminds me so much of cbt i kept wondering so has she been instructed in cbt and she's adding her own stuff on top of it or did she naturally come to these conclusions that are like pretty valid psychological principles and then layer on some 
utter madness. I wouldn't be surprised if she had studied it because it seems like she has done a fair amount of study Mm -hmm. that she's incorporated into her own practices. But the woman that she brought up was someone who's a regular follower, acolyte of hers, wasn't just a random person from the audience. And even she seemed to really struggle with this exercise and how to get to the right place. Where where do you want me Mm -hmm. to be, Teal? Which just seems strange after having been around her for any length of time. It seems you would know the drill. Yeah, except we know how Teal is, that she'll chase you down and make anything you said wrong, even if it's what she said last time. Yeah, you're totally right. So that's right. what's happening yeah, there. That's absolutely <laughs> what's happening. So I think this woman eventually realized that her core belief was that she is useless. She definitely started with something that was pretty far away from I'm worthless. Teal said that most people come to loneliness. That's like the main motivator is that they're just worried about being lonely in the world, mm-hmm. which... Sounds about right. So her volunteer said that she struggles with self-doubt. Okay, self-doubt. And Teal said, okay, well, what would that mean? And really go dark here. And then Teal explained, we're doing shadow work here. We're finding out what you don't know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And shadow work is not an original term to Teal Swan, but it's used in other places in the same way to mm-hmm. you know, deal with your dark inner stuff. So then... Every sentence that this woman delivers, Teal would follow up with, and what does that mean? And Mm -hmm. why would that be so bad? And she kind of had those questions in a loop intentionally. Mm -hmm. She would sometimes fill in the gaps of what she inferred from what her volunteer said and kind of push her in a little bit of a direction, but, you know, ever so slightly. And the way you might expect a therapist to or something to say, Mm -hmm. well, do you think it's like this? But then... As we were breaking off into our groups to do this with each other, Teal said, now do not put words in their mouth. Do not make guesses or inferences. Only ask, what would it mean? And why would that be so bad? Mm-hmm. And Ross and I both said to each other, like, well, exactly like she just did not. Do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. Well, she's the expert. She's just getting us started. I guess so. But I did wonder, like, well, how do you know when you're done? Right. Yeah. That's a good question. Well, when five minutes is up. (laughs) Right. Because she gave us each five minutes to go through this. And she said, don't cheat. Don't just say something like, I guess I don't. I'm afraid of being useless. Yeah. Don't just start there. That's cheating. And and don't say something like, oh, I guess it wouldn't be so bad. You Mm -hmm. know it would be bad. (laughs) Right. Or that isn't your real problem. Then we broke into the same groups that we had been in before. Of course. Which I thought was pretty nice because I felt a little closer to... We'd made new friends. She told us we could pick new people if we wanted, but why would we pick new people? Yeah, Jennifer and Carol were perfectly lovely. Oh, she also said it can be really fun to use stupid stuff that annoys you because it still comes back to something super dark, even if it's just, I hate it when people don't use their turn signal. That will come back to I Fear Death. (laughs) Yes, it will, as we found out. So Jennifer went first. And she bravely offered that she is afraid of public speaking. Mm -hmm. And so we slowly prodded at her and asked, why would it be so bad if you failed at public speaking? And so then she would kind of think about that. Okay, well, people would think I'm an idiot. All right, well, what's wrong with everybody thinks you're an idiot? Yeah, what would that mean? yeah, Yeah, what would that look like? What would that mean for you to be an idiot? So then we were getting to her core belief in in her concern that she didn't actually have anything to say. Mm -hmm. So she was both upset that people weren't listening to her or interested in what she had to say, but she also wasn't sure she actually had anything of her own to say, which is pretty deep. And we kind of followed both of those trains and we would kind of go back 
depending on how how it seemed to land with her. You know, there were certain trains we went down and it seems like she yeah. she was answering, but you could tell she was like, this isn't it. This isn't giving me that gut sensation of like, we've landed on it. Mm-hmm. So then we kind of go back upstream and find where we branched off and go down a different road. Yeah. We um, eventually got to death. She was afraid of dying. Yeah, we did talk about death. And then I think we went backwards again because even then that wasn't really resonating with her as the deep problem. It seems like the real thing she was dealing with is that she's afraid of seeming ignorant. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure that wouldn't be dark enough for Teal. But that's what seems to land with her. Is death dark enough for you, Teal? (laughs) Is it dark enough? But she said she actually felt better after that. I will say, I definitely was not just using those two questions with her, though. I was talking to her like a normal person. I was mm-hmm. using those as like my guideposts. Right. Slightly it- rephrasing things yeah. so it didn't sound like, I am doing exercise. <laughs> I am asking you questions. Right. I was told to ask. Well, and I remember saying to her, well, I think that sometimes it can be a sign of intelligence that you know you don't know a lot. Oh, yeah. We talked about Dunning-Kruger. If you're aware that you don't know everything, that uh, actually is a much better place to be in than absolute certainty in your ignorance. This is a scientific thing. So Carol went next, and she said something interesting. I felt like I was talking to myself 10 years before. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she said, I just hate using schedules. I hate having to be somewhere on time. Mm-hmm. And we said, okay. And Deadlines got lumped in with that. Just right. Everybody trying to get Carol to run on their timeline. And what? What does that mean or what does that look like? Something like that. And she elaborated that it's just so hard for her to keep those deadlines Mm -hmm. that she knows she'll fail. Then she knows she'll get fired. Then she'll end up on the street. And destitute. Uh, Then she won't be safe. Right. Then she won't be safe. And then specifically, she'll be sexually violated. Yeah. And... I remember feeling this. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't think sexual violation was like my particular end of that thought pattern, but definitely being on the street and dying. Oh, It was just this domino of like, oh, shoot, I missed my two o'clock appointment five minutes later. Well, that's it. I'm going to have no home soon. Oh, no. When you can't keep it scheduled, there's this deep sense that the whole world runs differently than you Mm. and like oh i'll just never be able to do it i'll never be able to match up and this was really just my anxiety talking of course okay but got much better so anyway (laughs) i was telling her like well you know i think sometimes when we think in these domino patterns we forget that there are safety nets along each path and you know if you lose a job you'll go to the welfare office it'll be okay yeah yeah (laughs) carrie was offering some uh, potential uh, options to get out of these horrible fates but then again we were purposefully leading her there because Uh you said it well with teal swan you go deep and sideways (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you never know where you'll end up and you know exactly what she wants so you do it you know that she wants like the worst version of what could happen right in a very simple elemental form of it too right that that can't be broken down any farther right i will die i will starve i will burn to death For me, I came next. I complained about the thing that I think spends the most time in my head, that I've constantly got just dozens of things that I know I need to do, and they all need to get done. And so I do the the littler ones, the ones I know I can cross off my list and get done and have some sense of completion. But then I have all these bigger projects that require lots of thought and deep concentration. I put them off. 
And then I just have that hanging around my head mm-hmm. and less of a mm-hmm. feeling that I can actually get to them. But there's so many of them. Very common problem. I took the problem of work course at Scientology. <laughs> that didn't fix it? It didn't fix it. Oh, bizarre. And I drank my own pee. That didn't fix it. <laughs> you so- drank my pee. <laughs> That didn't fix it. That didn't fix it either. So, um, how's your eczema, by the way? Uh, the same oh, no. as ever. Yeah. Dang it! I think I'm still allergic to stuff. <laughs> I guess I haven't been eating a bunch of nuts this week, so hard to say. What about nuts? <laughs> so we led myself down a path. I don't know. I felt like I was being particularly loopy, mm-hmm. kind of coming back to the same things over and over, and I was having a hard time finding this inner core. But I think what I got to is that I was afraid of being seen as unreliable, Mm -hmm. which actually does sound totally right, and being worthless. I thought about this whole conversation a lot afterward, and I wondered if where we should have pushed you further is like whether you think you need to be unique in your reliability, Mm. like that makes you special. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good question. He thinks. His eyes dart from side to side. I mean, I'll I'll sign on to it. Sounds Mm. about right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel like she would be like, oh, I'm unreliable. That's not it. She would. But maybe if you said, I'm not special, then she'd (laughs) be like, ah, not special. Well, that's true. Because I think there is somewhere deep down this thought that, oh, well, if. I don't do this for the person. They're going to go have to have someone else do it, mm-hmm. and it won't be done as well. Oh, huh? Okay. <laughs> Unless they go to me. I bet maybe. But I, I feel like that's somewhere underneath it all. <laughs> now all of Disney training comes to me for <laughs> their problems. I got it. Yeah, how did that feel? Did you feel like, oh, I really, really got a load off here? No, I felt I was just being kind of forced to provide an answer for some of these questions that didn't really have them or... Mm-hmm. But I do think the questions themselves are interesting. I think the process is interesting and can cause you to really reflect on some of these base motivations. And overall, I think it's a really cool idea as long as there's no manipulation built into it. Right. Like I say, it's very similar to CBT in the just, Mm -hmm. you know, follow a an anxiety you have back to the belief that causes it and really examine, do you actually believe that? Do you think that's objectively true? And if you put someone like Teal on the other side of it, who is just going with her gut and believes her gut with such certainty, I think that's where it gets. And doesn't allow you to use your gut about you. Right. Immediately counters your gut. Yeah. That's just part of her shtick. Right. I feel like if Jennifer had just gotten to, well, I'm afraid of being ignorant. And that really sits with me as the root here. Right. I don't think Till would have accepted that, but she would have accepted I will die. It doesn't have to be divisible by anything else. Right. Or it's enough of a cause for exploration and something to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, without getting to death or dismemberment. Right. But not for Teal. Not for Teal. Would you say that Teal is quick on her feet? No. Huh. She moves around steadily. And gracefully, mm. but I wouldn't say quickly. Oh, interesting. I meant metaphorically quick on her feet, like, yes. you know, thinks quickly. Well, then, yes, she okay, is. Okay, okay. Like, she, you feel like you could get a, a quip out of her real easy. <laughs> yes. You know? You yep, get a, I you, bet. Do you get where I'm going with this? I, she's like a regular toothbrush dispenser. Exactly. <laughs> and this episode is supported in part by Quip. Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. Enjoyable? 
toothbrushing? I know. Well, Quip does feature sonic vibrations that are gentle enough for sensitive gums, a built-in two-minute timer with guided pulses to remind you when to switch sides, and... And, Carrie, uh-huh. new brush heads delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, I heard that Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association and has thousands, yes, thousands of verified five-star reviews. Verified? Verified. How do you verify that? You... Well, they did it. Yes. I've got to say, I like the design of these because usually there's this big bulky base station mm-hmm. and they say, eh, not worth it. Don't have this thing plugged into your wall. Then you got to find an extra socket. It's a big mm-hmm. mess. Instead, they just use a regular battery. Hey, it's all you need. Stick the battery in there and that powers the toothbrush for a very long time. Okay. You can use a rechargeable if you like the environment or whatever. I do like the environment or whatever. <laughs> and Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash oh no right now you get your first refill pack for free with your quip electric toothbrush and you can pick colors there's options that you can get a nice like sort of rose gold yeah to color. match your iphone mm-hmm. if that's the kind of phone you have or your um Mickey or you can Mouse get ears. or you can get a, a very nice teal color Ooh, appropriate if you're feeling a little teal swanish yeah, very tealy. So once again, you can get your first refill pack for free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash oh no. And back to the show. So then it was my turn and I don't know why I couldn't think of anything at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you I, had 15 minutes. I know I should have, been, <laughs> uh, but I wasn't thinking about myself. That's good. Well, hey. So I said, okay, well, one thing I definitely think about a lot is my dog eventually dying. You know, she's 11 and it's going to happen someday. And that really weighs on my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked through what that meant. And that's not fun, either having to talk someone from that into something different. Let's let's find out right. why you're so upset about your dog why dying. Why would that be so bad Do we really need for to your bring- loved one to die? Come on. And what would that look like, you without your dog? Yeah. <laughs> you know, now it occurs to me, we had to talk through the Toomey death story in Scientology. Yeah. Now Teal oh, yes. Swan Many times. makes us talk through the imagined Ella death story. Well, they're asking you, Carrie, what is the most horrifying thing? Dog death. Yeah, that's it. Obviously. We've figured that one out. Yeah. So, yeah, we got you to a point where you were talking about how it was upsetting that other people might say, oh, well, I mean... That's very sad, but it's a dog. Right. It's not a human. Right. It's not your boyfriend. Yeah. And this is kind of what I mean about going down and sideways. It's Mm -hmm. like, that's definitely true. And that will be a very hard part about it. But that was also me digging, you know, going like, okay, what else? Well, the primary thing is Ella will be dead. (laughs) Okay, what else? Because you want more. Then when I was thinking about that, I felt like, Oh, yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I really felt like an outsider. This would make me feel more like an outsider. Yeah. And I definitely used to harbor the belief that other people's views of me were objective. And Mm -hmm. no matter what I thought about myself, that wasn't true because I can't see myself from the outside. So everyone else's judgment of me is real. Right. So I really have to pay attention to it. And if it's negative, then that's a real problem. Right, right. To go teal here for a second and create an analogy. If you're digging down and following these branches, it's like... 
digging down at the base of a tree and you follow a root and that root branches out and gets smaller and smaller and eventually you end up at one root. But there's still many other oh, roots. Oh, wow. See? So you've identified one, and you're claiming it is the explanation. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of many roots. Yeah. No, I think that's a better job than Teal did. <laughs> this also speaks to what we've said before about Teal, where if you've come to a conclusion yourself, then it's not good enough. Because I've identified that feature of my past very clearly mm-hmm. over the last few years, like, oh, I have always taken other people's opinions as the objective and mine as the subjective about myself. Mm-hmm. And been, you know, I've been working on that, trying to rectify that. And I feel like I'm past that thought now. Mm-hmm. But if I just said that to her, of course, that's not going to be good nope. enough. No, no, no. <sighs> it needs to be this fresh wound that Teal has just dug up. And this brings to bear a question that we've run into a lot of times, which is, when are you ever healed? Mm. Like, when can you ever say, oh, yeah, well, I'm good now, supposedly after you've gone through your process? I have the answer to this. Oh, good. From Teal, I hope. (laughs) Yes. So I was just reading. Carrie's flipping through her copy of. (laughs) The the completion process. Or the completion process. Who was it who said completion? Oh, God. Did someone? No, it was in the IAC, completism. Oh, that's right. Instead of completism. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this is a book called The Completion Process that I got at her seminar. I've only read the beginning of it, but I was just reading it tonight. So she says on page seven, since it's an ongoing process, please don't confuse completion with finished. Each time you reach a new level of enlightenment, there's always more expansion on the horizon. There is no such thing as an enlightened retirement. The great beauty of our lives is that we are never truly in a finished state. Isn't that nice? Because also, and I'm sure this is just a side effect, that keeps you reliant on her. Yes. Part of me wants to sign on to that and say, yeah, yeah, we're always improving. It's it's asymptotic. Mm-hmm. You can keep getting closer and closer to that line of perfection, but you'll never fully reach it. Sure. But on the other hand... It just looks like a way to sustain this process. Right. Like you said, keep you in thrall to her. There should be an end of what any particular treatment can offer you. Right. Or at least it should get you to a threshold, a point at which you can just focus on the rest of your life and go back right. to living. Yeah, yeah. And not fixating and focusing on this. Right. And can there ever be anyone who can walk into Teal Swan's presence and just be okay with their lives and where they're at and what they're doing? It all reminds me of Scientology and how when L. Ron Hubbard... Find your ruin. Yeah, but also when he invented auditing, first he trotted out this woman and said, this is the first clear. (laughs) And of course, then there were like no more pure clears after that. Right. So you're probably wondering, okay, so I got to the root of my belief. What the heck do I do with this information? Because now we're all just sad. Yeah, your fear that no one likes you. Right. (laughs) So you watch the How to Change a Belief video. Yeah, not then and there, but she told us that was our homework assignment. Don't worry, that gives you some very clear steps to change your belief. We watched it a couple days ago together. It was from 2012, so it was an earlier incarnation of Teal Swan. And it was interesting because I noted far less confidence on her part. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looked like she was reading off of a script and uncomfortable and not sure mm-hmm. quite how to start the next sentence. A little more sentence. stilted. Yeah, she's definitely changed. And now I would call her the most confident person I have ever seen. 
Wow. I'm asking myself if that's the case for me. I feel like her picture should be in the huh. dictionary next to confidence. Wow. Well, I'm having trouble thinking of the right competitor, so at least she's up there for me. She's I'm up gonna there have to for think sure. about it. Okay. So here are the steps to changing your belief, Ross. One, decide you want to change your belief. Okay. Two, replace your old explanation for a new explanation. Replace it for a new... Um, okay. Interesting uh, preposition Syntax. there. So the idea here was you probably build up a bunch of evidence for your old belief. Like I might say, well, the kids at my summer camp bullied me, so I'm unlikable. Okay. But you replace that with a new explanation for that evidence. Okay, well, they were kids. They were looking for, in my case, the chubbiest kid around Mm -hmm. and saying, oh, that's an easy target. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a much cleaner explanation for that behavior. And she calls that being the angel's advocate instead of the devil's Uh, advocate. uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So that's step two. Then we go to step six. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, we watched the video a few times and we kept rewinding like, where was... Where's three through five? Now she made an analogy about a table <laughs> being super glued to the ground. I think I think you misunderstood that part. I think it was that the <laughs> table leg was super glued to the tabletop. Oh, no, there was an illustration on the video with super glue at the bottom. At the bottom? Yep. Oh, all right. Okay, well, then I really don't get it either. <laughs> I mean, even the way I interpreted it made only slightly more sense. It was a bad analogy. It didn't, it yeah. It really was. It was but, not necessary. But she skipped a lot of numbers Also, there. there were four legs on the table, but three of them were labeled. And I was like, what's the fourth one? <laughs> Follow through with this analogy you've committed to. It's probably named Smith. I don't know what that means. I once knew a table with a wooden leg named Smith. Oh, what was the name of his other leg? Okay, so step six, look for evidence of your new belief. So if my belief is no, people like me, I might say. (laughs) (laughs) So we're missing all the steps in between. Okay, who knows? Look for evidence of your new belief. Right. right. So, okay, yeah, lots of people like me. I like myself. You know, I'm looking at the exceptions instead of the overwhelming number of people I meet who are very kind to me and Mm -hmm. give me positive feedback about myself. Yeah. And then step seven, use affirmations correctly, not incorrectly. So then she gave us a lot of examples about how to use them incorrectly. Like if you think that you're dumb and you say, I am smart, it's going to seem insincere. She probably explained how to do it right, but I mostly got the wrong way. One thing I noticed in that video, again, this was early teal, but I feel she still does this she'll say a fairly complicated sentence that involves a lot of abstracted language yes and so at least the way i process this i'll take that sentence in i'll hold on to it in my temporary memory Uh and i'll start deconstructing okay that word refers to this this physical process okay that word means this so i'm kind of getting a sense of it but she just keeps going right and instead of letting a phrase linger She'll now restate it and say it in a slightly different way. Uh-huh. So then you're kind of... Compa- or just change subjects. And so then you're trying to listen to the next thing she said, but you're still sort of trying to make sense of the first one. Wait, did that actually okay. make sense? She said, the better it gets, the better it gets. <laughs> yeah. And it- then you finally tune back in and she's like, and that's why orcas are endangered. And you're like, what? Oh, no. In my mind, that all gets jumbled very quickly. And then I just sit there wondering, what yep. is she saying? Some of it really is word salad. And every now and th- sometimes not. I mean, sometimes you're right. like, oh, I get it. I get why people are here. This woman is like very able to 
sort of weave a yarn. <laughs> but yeah, other times. Part of me now wants to take maybe a book of hers or something and do sort of a highlighter system where I uh-huh. work out the ratio of word salad to genuine insight because it is there. I'll say this. I think she's a better writer than speaker. Oh, good. Where she has time to mm-hmm, refine. Okay. Yeah. And she takes the time to. That's good. Yeah, yeah, because, well, now I'm only 24 pages in, so (laughs) buyer beware. But so far, it's felt, again, a lot like CBT, but with some stuff layered onto it that I wouldn't sign on to, like Mm. she believes in repressed memories. Right, that's central to her Mm -hmm. own qualifications to be dispensing any of this information, is that she said she was sewn into a corpse and she Mm -hmm. was abused constantly in this satanic cult that there's no evidence of ever having existed right we'll we'll talk to one of her friends yes we will i can't wait who teal had insisted was with her for some of these satanic events and her friend said "Uh, no that never happened Mm. i don't remember i think this psychologist that you're seeing has implanted these memories in yeah you. yeah and good for her yeah yeah very much good for her may we take a moment though since we're talking about teal's writing okay may i share with you a poem she wrote that's oh, in the front of this book yes do i read this to drew earlier and said isn't this quite a lot like when i improvise a nonsense poem to you Aww. which as you know i am fond of doing <laughs> you, you know are. forthwith you are uh, at my doorstep uh-oh So to be, Uh uh, yes, okay, (laughs) okay, Okay, so here we go. Freedom is in the reclaiming of self, the turning of life's cyanide into honey, and liberty, the pinnacle of color, sketched to a world full of petals, all of which grow from soil. Perchance the squalid circumstances of our given lives were none but a call to ripen, For the life within a life is transcendental, forever searching out the ways the world has bisected us in order to unite us again with a kind of soundness so brave it drowns out the throw. So, you can see that beauty, in its most absolute forms, is not virgin to rancor. Instead, it becomes from it. It's not virgin to rancor. See, then that's the problem. She would be talking, and I would be sitting there saying, "Love is not virgin to rancor." What? What could that possibly mean? My favorite part is liberty, the pinnacle of color. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this comes down to her synesthesia thing. Yeah, what is that? What could that but- mean? Not, not not what does that mean, but what could it even try to mean? And why would that be so bad? What could that mean? And why would that be so bad, Teal? I think of that with some song lyrics, where if you really look at the song, you realize, oh, it it is just kind of a pastiche of words, one after the other, but it evokes a mood. Uh I feel she does that. Okay, yeah. There Uh are those words, and they carry certain feelings with them. Oh, yeah. If you blend it all together, you can get a nice warm buzz. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, that you can kind of make yourself. Yeah, I think that's the Deepak Chopra effect. Mm-hmm. Where it feels like we're almost somewhere, but if I actually thought about it, I've got a deepity. Like, I love Smashing Pumpkin songs, and Billy Corgan is a loon, but I'll often kind of look at the lyrics and realize, oh, I was sort of reading 
almost a story into this Mm -hmm. and thoughts. And and it was really just a set of words that don't really form full sentences or thoughts, but Mm -hmm. they come together. Beck is a really good example of that. I love Beck. Because he'll make a song where he just throws out random phrases and words and it feels like something's being said, but it's not. mm -hmm. Yeah, but if you're a good poet, that does sort of add up to something. Right. Well, So I'm giving her at least the credit that she's choosing interesting words and that when you hear it, Mm-hmm. You get these sensations of yeah. something that sounds like something. Definitely. The root of the root and the bud of the bud of a tree <laughs> called life. That was E.E. E. Cummings, an actual good poet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> an actual good. So you, are you judging Teal Swan's poetry? She's not E.E. E. Cummings. No, no. She. I've met E.E. E. E. Cummings, like, sir, and you are no E.E. E. Cummings. <laughs> I lit up like, you did? And then I thought, that doesn't <laughs> seem possible. <laughs> I think Teal is a decent nonfiction writer and not such a good poet. Okay. So next we get another guest who comes up to meet her on stage. Yes, we do. So we'll call him guest five. He has a maroon aura. Yeah, he immediately said, I just want to get, you know, your feeling about me and like, what's my aura like? Oh, this guy. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't write down a physical description of him. Do you remember what he looked like? He was an Asian American man. Oh, okay. Uh, with uh, long hair that was tied back in a ponytail. Oh, okay. Very uh, friendly face. Reminded me of one of my friends. It seemed like someone you could instantly like. Oh, nice. So he said he came here without questions, but now he has some. The Teal, how did you decide to do your work? As if he were interviewing her or something. Yep. And yeah. that's exactly what happened. Became an Very interview. Weird. Yeah. So- and she went with it. I kept waiting for her to shut him down and say, So what is it you're really trying to avoid by yeah, asking these questions? Yeah. And she kind of did here and there, but I think she eventually just sort of accepted, like, Well, we're talking about me. How bad can it be? And I couldn't tell whether she was just enjoying being asked about herself or she was humoring him. Yeah. Maybe both. So yeah, she said, I can't do anything else. This is the work that chose me. Mm-hmm. And someone shouted, Teal for president. And people were like, Woo, yeah. <laughs> she can't answer without shooting off into metaphor or analogy. So she said, Well, someone who's really good at painting, what are they going to do? Uh-huh. They're going to have to paint. I kind of feel her on this. Oftentimes I'll have something I want to say, but I just see it as like a blob or a picture. It's because I don't really think in like word thoughts. So mm. I'll, I'll get this sort of amorphous. Thing that I'm trying to describe and I'll say, well, it's kind of like if there were overlapping circles, you know, and the other person's like, this is not helpful to oh, me. Oh, yeah. I wish we could just jump into other people's heads momentarily. Oh, uh-huh. I think we'd learn like so much. Like a share screen. Right, where I don't have to be infected by it or carry right. it forever, but I just get a, a sense for how they sense the world. Totally. Does their blue look the same as my blue? Do they see in pictures or hear in colors or whatever it may be. That would especially be useful when you're kind of doubting each other's sincerity. Yes. Then you could be like, oh, nope, she really thinks that's how that happened or she really means that. Okay, That would solve so many things. Yep. Then she started talking about a Russell Brand sketch. She she said, oh, who's that guy? Who's that guy? He's so funny. Ruggedly handsome man. Yeah, he's real handsome. He's got big old hair. Finally, someone shouts, Russell Brand. Yes, Russell Brand. (laughs) Yeah, she was giving very bad clues to figure him (laughs) out, but someone got it. Yeah, someone got it. So she said, yeah, he's in this sketch where he said, without fame, this hair is just mental illness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was fun. So I guess she's kind of saying her situation's kind of the same, where... 
her job funnels all of her eccentricities into something useful. And she said here that she was born an extrasensory and abused because she was an extrasensory. Ah, right. That's Which, why the satanic cult To me, her. feels like an adjective that requires an object. Oh, yeah. It feels dangling. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm an extrasensory what? Period. It's like calling yourself a creative. A creative what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then guest five says, okay, but why didn't you become a counselor or something like that? Good question. She, yeah. And she said, you know, I didn't even think of this work. It just organically came to me. You know, I was doing it with my friends and then I started making these videos and I started writing these books and it just sort of bloomed out of me. Yeah. And she, she didn't say bloomed out of me. I said that because I'm very elo- eloquent. <laughs> she did eventually shut him down by saying, so there's two types of seekers. There's those who seek to use something, and then there are those who seek to avoid something. You're the second one. Mm. And everybody went like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but it sounds bad. Well, no, well, I think that was pretty clear. She's saying like, you know, you're asking me all these questions, not because you're actually trying to figure oh, something out. You're trying to avoid something. Avoid your own shit. Yes. Okay, So she it. did call him out on that. So she also mentioned that she's a medical intuitive, mm-hmm. and she's always known she was. She could see people's illnesses, and she thought that everybody could. And she was telling her friends, like, no, you have a bladder infection, not a kidney infection. Right. And they'd be like, how'd you know that? And of course, it would turn out to be true. She keeps doing this where she'll allude to just how much she knows mm. after offering you one vague, small... Right. Description. Right. Say, oh, yeah, I could talk about you for hours. I could write a book on you. I'm watching I, your thoughts right now. I know you better than you know yourself. Right. And she'll say things with that much certainty. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ross isn't like taking what she said to its logical conclusion. She just literally says things like that. <laughs> yeah. And I think offers it in such a way that you don't really get a chance to say, well, then, yes, tell me all these things. Right. She just yeah. declares it and then lets it stand. Yeah. What color am I thinking of? Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of a number. <laughs> I'll make it easy. One through six. Which is why I really <laughs> wish she would have called on you, because I think this would have been a, a <laughs> oh, fun you know, discussion. We forgot to say in the last episode when we were talking about things we admire of one another. Another thing you said about me was you felt that I would be the only person who would have the guts to pressure her up Oh, there. yeah. And yeah. I wondered what the other women made of that comment. <laughs> I was just like, oh, really? Huh. I don't know. Because <laughs> I didn't want to give us up. <laughs> Although I really was just going to ask her about my migraines. But if she had told me something ridiculous, I probably would have yeah, I think balked at if it. If anybody in the room could have given her a run okay. for her money. I'm going to take her down. Be careful. <laughs> she told this guy that he had the wrong vibrational match for this room. She said, why are you in this room? Oh. And yet then she turned it around and said, but if you weren't supposed to be here, you wouldn't have been able to get here. Oh, right. You would have been in an accident. Yeah. Or there would your, have car been, your car wouldn't have wouldn't even start. turned on. Yeah. yeah. So that made me think, oh, well, Carrie and I are meant to be here. Yeah. I, I love it when we get that sort of assurance. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we're Signed not, off on us. We're not interlopers. We wouldn't be here unless we're supposed to be here. Yeah. And so we are now legit by... Teal's logic. Mm-hmm. And I always like that too. All because are welcome. There are many conversion stories of people who came to disprove something or to critically evaluate oh, something. Yeah. But then they were swayed by the evidence. I like to think that is us. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, maybe the spirits, the source, whatever has led us there, and Teal will convince us. 
just like laughter yoga did. So then guest five mentioned one of the reasons that he asked all this is that one time he was driving through Las Vegas and he wasn't eating or drinking. He didn't say I was fasting or anything. He just said I wasn't eating or drinking until I watched one of your videos. And then I started eating and drinking again. And then I was driving through Las Vegas and listening to a tape of yours in my car. And I felt your presence and really meaningful for him. And then he found out, oh, she works out of Las Vegas. So that's why. Oh, okay. I'm glad you were able to glean all that because I remember the pieces of what he was saying, but not being able to string his story together. Okay. So then Teal said, maybe my favorite remark of the evening. She said, listen, there is nothing I'm going to say that isn't going to increase your awareness. Oh my goodness. How many negatives were there? Wow. Yeah. I mean, she's basically saying like, I have all the wisdom in the world. Mm -hmm. Nothing I say isn't useful to you and you should follow me for the rest of your life. There's that confidence again. Yeah. Amazing. She went into this long glasses metaphor that was (laughs) really tortured. (laughs) He had sunglasses on. So she took those glasses and she said, you're wearing these glasses. And so she puts them on herself. I think she often just forgets how she's framing a metaphor. Mm-hmm. And then she'll. Pun intended. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> then she'll just keep shifting one way. And, and then you wonder wait, are you speaking out of his voice? Are you speaking right. with your voice? Or much or like Blakey's? that first exercise we talked about. Yeah. Very confusing. Yeah, it is. But turns out confusion is a cover emotion. Oh, right. And it's ice on a very deep pool. Ah, Mm. Mm, very interesting. You know, this guy also mentioned that he lived in a monastery. Because she said something quickly like, it's not like you've lived in a monastery. And he says, actually, I did. I I did. And that took us off on another side. Oh, my God. Yeah. He said he didn't know about spiritual teachers until the internet, but then also said he lived in a monastery and then told a confusing story about an altar boy sitting on his bed, and he thought, oh, this doesn't look good, and so he left the monastery. It was so weird. It was so confusing. This guy was all over the place, and Teal's all over the place, and they're dancing all over the place around <laughs> totally. each other. Totally. And she's taking his glasses off and on. And yeah, t- and the glasses were symbolic of perception or something. Yeah, well, you need to take <sighs> off the meaning you've assigned to things. Oh, right. That was a quote. Meaning is like a pair of sunglasses if, that if, you put on. Yes, I think if she had a point, that was it. And of course, he was a man of Asian descent. And so she used a reference to, in Kung Fu Panda, what is the name of the ah, the master? Oh, uh, can- He's a like a, a, a red panda. And she really struggled for this. Like, well, you know, you have a lot of analogies. You don't have to use Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> and we don't need to know his name. Later but, on, she referenced a sensei. Yeah, I mean, it's very clear she just picks up on people's heritage and then says something. Let's riff on. Just barely to the left of racist. Whatever associations I have with your race, that's right. going to pepper my language. But this Kung Fu Panda moment was one of my favorite parts because there was actually a long silence after this monastery story. <laughs> so he's like, and then I, uh, you know, I knew it looked bad. So I left. Long silence. Have you ever seen Kung Fu Panda? <laughs> Like, what happened in your brain in that moment? She did have a good little joke about how his story of the young boy being on his bed and that not feeling or looking right 
how we've gotten very far afield. She said something like that. And that was a good laugh line. Right. Which I should mention, Teal can say something mildly funny or not quite funny or perceived as an attempt at humor and people will laugh. But it's that nervous laughter like, Mm. oh, you know, (laughs) good job. (laughs) (laughs) But everybody wants to humor her and make her feel good. So yeah. And every once in a while she'd say something or Blake would say something and people would laugh and she'd look around kind of curiously. Like I felt like she didn't even know what people were laughing mm. at, but still wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> still take like some credit for it, maybe. I don't know. She's a, she's a hard one to read. It's those glasses she puts on. Exactly. So then she told Gust Five that he will never not have something to learn from her. God, really laying it on thick. With the double negatives. With the double negatives <laughs> and with the I am God talk. Yeah. You will never not have something to learn from me. What if I'm on the toilet? <laughs> you have something for me then? I guess she does. Well, in a few minutes at least mm-hmm. when you're done. This was a torturous discussion. We just kept looking at each other like, when is this When will this end? stop? Even the people in front of us were like glancing at each other and like, who is this guy? You know, like looking annoyed. Yeah, because they would be talking and he would get to this point where it felt like finally he was resolved and okay, good. Now, mm-hmm. at least we have a takeaway for him. Nope. Nope. Let's keep at this. Open it again. Oh, you're not making any sense. We need to talk this out again. It was terrible. And then she tells him that if he follows her, he will think he's gotten to the end many times and then the rug will be pulled out from under him. Mm. Well, that sounds great. Time me up. She uh, leaned in at one point toward the end, and this is the thing she said a couple times. She said, ready for the curse? Ah, uh And then she would lay something on you, and that got a laugh, but then she would give whoever she was talking to some- Homework. Or like a prediction of what would be really hard for them in life. You know, this is sort of a curse for you, and I'm- So she'd do it kind of jokingly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she has a few sentence formations I've noticed. One in particular is that- What would you say if I told you you have a fear of intimacy? I don't know. Let's see. Go ahead and tell me. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) right. It's interesting because she has the confidence to tell somebody, like, you're afraid of intimacy. But she'd very often phrase that in that kind of Mm -hmm. removed, almost plausible deniability Mm -hmm. fashion. What would you say if I told you? Yeah, I wonder if that's by design. It must be. Now that you say that, it reminds me of the cold reading technique where I say, your mother wasn't a nurse, was she? So <laughs> she wasn't. No, I didn't think okay, so. Okay, exactly. She was. Ah, ah okay, yes, I thought see? so. Yeah, exactly. Also, she told Guest 5 that she and he were not a vibrational match, so she will always win in their conversations. <laughs> Teal will always win in any conversation. Oh my God. Or it won't end until she does. You know what I realized during this conversation yeah. is that Teal is Miss Swan. Miss Swan. It was a character in Mad TV that is not oh. looked upon fondly oh, with I don't 2018 that. sunglasses. I wonder how many people have taken a picture of a swan and just digitally painted it teal. A million. 100 million people. I hope so. Can you believe so. that? Because when I do a Google image search for teal swan, that's not what I see. Right. I see, see this see woman. That woman. Many pictures of her. Oh, my goodness. On her mm-hmm. website, mm-hmm. they have a gallery. Mm-hmm. somewhere in the order of like 800 to 1,000 photos of her. Just on her website? On her website. Jesus. And I noticed her photographer because I had thumbed through her website looking at all these pictures of this beautiful spiritual leader woman. And this guy kept showing up 
in them. And, and it was very clear that he is her designated photographer who follows her around everywhere. And she's constantly doing photo shoots. And so he was there at the convention. Ah, okay. In the front row getting more pictures of her. Gotta get more. You can always get more. Not that I'm complaining. It's just it seems there's a lot of pictures. There's a lot of them. I mean, there's definitely, you know, a little bit of a cult of personality going on here. Oh, yes. So one thing she did tell Guest 5 that is also mirrored in the Completion Process book was to sit in his confusion, sit in his negative feelings and actually feel them, feel what they feel like. This is good advice. You know, we usually call it distress tolerance, but she calls it somatic journey work. But it's true. If you feel sad and you tell yourself, I can't feel sad. No, that'd be bad. Feeling sad is bad. Usually that will just make it worse and there'll be this underlying current in your life, you know. But if you allow yourself and you say, oh, I feel sad right now. This is what sadness feels like. Usually that will help it dissipate and seem tolerable. It's a process much like meditation, just acknowledging these feelings and just accepting them for what they are. Yeah. Well, that's just... That's what I feel right now. Yeah. That's part of the human experience. Yeah, that's good advice. Not even the human experience, the mammal experience. hey And probably other animals. Everyone, please write <laughs> yeah, to me. I was waiting for- List the birds that also feel <laughs> sadness. <laughs> and some studies that show that worms might have something analogous to sadness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I need that. As an animal <laughs> rights activist, I would probably be delighted, so it's fine. Okay. Send them directly to her, not me, thanks. (laughs) You know, worth mentioning here, there were no sound or light cues in this whole workshop. Good Um, point. I thought of it because I was thinking about Tony Robbins and how- That's a really good point. Right? Right. (laughs) Thank you. That's such a good point, Carrie. What? Stop it. Yeah, when we're meeting those little groups, why weren't they bringing the lights down? No, continue your thought. (laughs) Because I was thinking about Tony Robbins and how she uses a similar tactic of Mm -hmm. that, you know, that very aggressive, confrontational, whatever you came here up here with isn't the thing you actually need to work on and you're wrong about it, et cetera, et cetera. But without all those bells and whistles of the Tony Robbins experience. Right, with the exploding glitter cannons, right. confetti cannons. Literal fire that welcomes him. The near smashing of his hands and the fake clap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you saying that gives me this wild idea of the two of them talking to each other. I so want that to happen now. Yeah, so you don't think Tony Robbins is more confident than Teal? Ooh. Yeah, he's up there. He's up there for sure. Okay, here's what I think would happen. They'd both try to sort of shout each other down in their different ways of shouting. Or they, and then, they would own the conversation in their various and, ways. Like, and then, I am winning. And then I both would walk away with I a won. different version of the story and for how, how they won. Yes. Now, I would say he doesn't pretend to the same level of confidence. He'll throw in occasional nods to the fact that, oh, I'm a doofus or whatever. Mm. So I say she still wins out on confidence. She does, though, do that thing that pretty much every leader of every group we've been to does, where they say something like, I mean, how can someone call me a leader of a fringe group or a cult or whatever when I willfully talk about my faults? Mm -hmm. Every single leader says this. It's, It's... True. It's not anything. (laughs) So she picks a new person. Guest six. She's having real fun with it that time. Her body language when she's searching for somebody, it's like, it's kind of coquettish. Oh, uh uh-huh. Flirtatious almost. Like flower from Bambi. She's slinking across the stage Uh and making exaggerated movements and flipping from side to side. It's, It's a weird little performance. It's the only time she does that. You know, I was pooping for most of 
this guest, so I missed a lot of this. So okay, I was like, "Where is Carrie going with this?" <laughs> okay, I was just—I was sitting next to you, but I was pooping my pants. I, I, no, I went to the bathroom. Oh, good. Yeah, she called up a woman in a green shirt, a twenty-seven-year-old woman, uh, okay, who wants to get pregnant. Okay, that makes the rest of this make sense. Okay, uh, she was being resistant to her resistance. Uh <laughs> I think Teal had fun saying that. To get a feel on this woman, she asked if she could grab her hand, and huh. she gave her wrist and hand sort of a visual and tactile inspection. Huh. Yeah, and then she said, this was really harsh. She said, yeah, you are going to have children, but you're going to mess it up. Whoa. Yeah, and the woman started crying. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was just like really harsh. Just matter of fact, like, yeah, well, but you're going to do a bad job of it essentially. What a mean thing to say. And I can't remember the context of this, but this is where Teal Swan said, I am a psychotic perfectionist. I won't even undertake a project unless I know I'll succeed. Teal's always dropping little compliments for herself and just in the most glowing terms, how great she is, how impressive Uh she is. I made a tiny list as I was watching and listening to some Teal stuff of things that she says. Well, you know, there will never be a time that you don't have something to learn from her. In her interview with Jennings mm-hmm. Brown. He, On the gateway by Gizmodo. She said, I'm a medical savant, which mm-hmm. we've talked about a bit. She said that she has photographic memory. Uh-huh. That doesn't exist. That was her explanation for how she remembered all these medical terms she was using. She said, I'm the most complicated person you'll ever meet. Okay. Who says that? <laughs> Till Swan. On a YouTube video that you sent me of her answering to her allegations. I fell asleep on it, but not before I heard her say, I can disassociate with pain. And essentially that's why she was able to compete professionally as an athlete for a while. Oh, right. She admitted I wasn't top of the game or anything, but it's because I can disassociate with pain. It's just always finding these little ways to talk about just how she is the best, the most interesting Well, the reason I sent you that video was because I watched the whole thing. It's mostly her responding to the critiques of her. Yeah. And in it, she compares herself to Martin Luther King, uh-huh. Mother Teresa, mm. Gandhi, Buddha, and Jesus Christ. See, see with, where I'm going with this confidence thing? Yeah, with no sense of irony. Right. No, never just a hint of... Deference? Deference. There's the word I'm looking for. Uh-huh. Yeah, she never says, and I'm not saying I'm exactly like Jesus. I'm not right. saying I'm exactly no, like Gandhi, but blah, blah, blah. She is no, in she fact just, saying she is exactly like yeah, Jesus. Yeah, and I believe it 100% because... That she thinks that, you mean? Yes, because... Or you believe she's Jesus. No, I believe she thinks she's Jesus. Well, I... Uh, <laughs> or might be reincarnated Jesus. Well, she is reincarnated Sai Baba. Okay. I watched an interview where someone asked her, well, do you remember living as Sai Baba. She said, oh, yes, I remember it the same way I remember a couple weeks ago. Again, where she alludes to this vast amount of knowledge, but will offer none of it. And he was like, oh, wow. And I thought, ask him to speak, ask her to speak Punjabi. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me. I'm not sure what language he spoke, but yeah, like he didn't speak English. Yeah, please tell me to get off your lawn in his language. Right. Give me any evidence of that at all. And she's surrounded by so many people who will just say, wow. Wow, that's amazing. Well, I don't need to hear any more about that. <laughs> uh, we learned that this woman was adopted. Teal doesn't offer that. The woman offers that. Okay. But then, of course, 
Teal says, of course. Of course, I knew that. Here's another mm-hmm. phrase of Teal's. See how beautiful this is? Okay. So when somebody offers something or when Teal has a particular insight, see how beautiful this is? Mm-hmm. Adoption is a starting point of rejection. Great. See how beautiful this is? <laughs> Adoption. So it's, it's beautiful that I have provided an insight, I guess. I have heard that some adopted kids feel this way. Oh, which is understandable that you would ask the question of why was I left in the first place? Yeah, yeah, totally. But for someone who doesn't interpret it that way, you don't want to go looking for trouble. For sure. But this gave Teal something to sink her teeth into. Teal had uh, people in the audience who had completed the completion process stand Mm. up or at least had become certified in the process. And there were maybe a couple dozen. There were quite a few, yeah. Yeah. We clapped for them. And I think she was saying... That this woman should get the completion process and that's how she will be able to have kids. Yes. Yeah, I think that's how this all tied together. So the woman went back to her seat and she was pretty close to where we were. We could Mm. see she was still kind of crying and getting herself back together. I don't know what I'd do in that situation. Do I go and do the completion process so I can conceive so I can be a bad mother? Because Teal said I'm going to screw it up. Right. But of course, then if you do a great job as a mother, then Teal will just say, see, well, I told you that too. Oh, that's annoying. When someone then takes credit mm-hmm. for your success because they they fueled you with their criticism right, or right. their doubt. I gave you an obstacle to overcome. Oh, you know, Ross. Hey, Carrie. I want to hear about Gus 7, but you know what else I want to hear about? Quality audio entertainment? Exactly. Oh, well, I've got some right here. You want to hear it? Yeah, I'd love that. Click. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. And together we're the hosts of Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. What does that mean for you, the podcast consumer? Well, it means that you're going to get a lot of stories about how we used to do weird stuff to people in order to try to fix them. Do you know that we used to think diseases were caused by bad smells? And that we used to eat mummies for medicine? That's super funny. I kind of like Well, thanks. And we hope you'll kind of like our show, Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. It's available every Friday wherever fine podcasts are sold or at its beautiful, picturesque home. Maximumfun.org. All right. Yeah. Oh, that was good. I thought so. It wasn't as good as Teal Swan, though, because she's the best of everything. Best at everything, best of everything. Best for everything, best through everything, best on top of everything, best with everything, best for with everything, (laughs) best and toward everything. Yeah, that's all true. She brought up next a man... With a teddy bear. Ah, uh, yes. And a headband. Guest seven. Sweet looking guy. Curly hair. Curly reddish brown hair, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, I, almost blondish, I thought. Caucasian young mm-hmm. man, probably in like his what? 20s? Mid 20s? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe early 20s. He looked okay. pretty young. Yeah. So his question was, why is he afraid of liking people romantically? Good question. Yeah. And she said, well, fear of intimacy is very common in people who have been hurt. And then she asked if she could reach out and feel his energy field, and he said yes. And she felt that there was a very strong energy wall Mm. about, what, three quarters of a foot from him? Right. Was it emanating from the teddy bear? (laughs) Oh, perhaps. No, it wasn't. And she said, don't worry, I'm not going to go past this wall. And she said, 
are you panicking? And he was clearly not panicking. Uh-huh. And she said, well, maybe you couldn't feel it, but I felt you panic there. So that means it's true. Yeah. I know you better than you do. I love a panic I can't feel. <laughs> it's the best that's, kind of panic. That's true. Actually, I'm feeling a pretty intense panic I can't feel right now. <laughs> uh, so his root issue is that he needs people to stay. That's yeah, important. Yeah, he's like afraid of... They'll leave him. Being They'll abandoned. Abandon him. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not even sure if he presented that as a possibility. I think she invented that out of thin air. Right. Yeah. Here's another tealism or swanism. What's better? Mm, I think tealism's better. Here's another tealism. Do you want the bad news? She'll say that to people once she's yes. got something to tell them about their difficult road ahead. So the bad news was spiritual growth isn't comfortable. Mm. All right. I think we all knew that. What a big bad news. She recommends, I, I can't remember if it was to him or just to the audience. Somehow it comes up, the liver and gallbladder miracle cleanse by Andreas Moritz. Oh, right. She yeah. said that a few times. Right, thankfully, because I was trying to look it up. Yeah. But yeah, this sounds uh, like something we need to add to our list of things to oh, try. Oh, wonderful. A miracle cleanse. Do I have to drink your pee? Uh, let's see. What if it said it on there? Ross's pee. <laughs> That's why everyone's always trying to get my pee. <laughs> Andreas Moritz is a medical intuitive who practices Ayurveda, iridology, shiatsu, and vibrational medicine. For anyone who's wondering, a medical intuitive is someone who can sense with their extrasensory perception what is wrong with you medically. I would really love to ask Teal which other spiritual leaders she admires. I bet she'd list mostly dead ones. That was exactly my thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I bet so. And maybe would say that she used to be them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so this liver cleanse is composed of olive oil, apple juice, grapefruit juice, lemon juice, and Epsom salts. That doesn't sound great, but it sounds better than pee. Does it sound better than the master cleanse? It sounds worse than the master cleanse drink, but better than the master cleanse experience because you have to take those laxatives that give you horrible stomach cramps because nothing's in your belly. Gotcha. Anyways, that stood out, her recommending this liver cleanse. Yeah, so her other advice to him, <laughs> oh my gosh, was she asked him if he had a particular romantic interest, and he did. She said, okay, I want you to say to your romantic interest, and to her credit, she was clearly avoiding- Gendering gender it. Yeah, gendering that person. Mm -hmm. um, I think she didn't want to make him have to state that, and I appreciated that. So she said, okay, say to your romantic interest, this is what I'm working on. I want to be in a relationship with people. I need you to sit there as I call the shots of how close I want to be with you. <laughs> Which, if you know someone really well, I think could go fine. Sure. But saying this to like someone you've just met. On a first or second date. Yeah, oh my God. I was thinking like, oh, this is such bad advice, this poor guy. But then she kind of moved on and reevaluated the idea and said, or, you know, it could be a friend or a relative, someone you already know. And I'm like, yes, 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 do that one, that one, that one. So then she called up someone yeah. from the audience, his twin brother. Yes, who was there with his significant other. With his boyfriend, yeah. And he said, yeah, I'm comfortable with my brother and his boyfriend. She's like, okay, great, bring them up. And they this come This was really up. sweet. It really was. The twin brother knelt next to him and a few they, feet away. And they were completely in. Like, whatever yeah. you need us to do, we're going to do it for him. We want to help him. Yeah. And she wanted... The brother to let him know, 
I'm always going to be here for you. I'm, I'm going to stay. I'm not going to leave. Not going anywhere. So he, he sat a few feet from him and said, I'm just going to sit here. Whatever you need, I'm just going to be right here. And they just sat yeah. there for a minute. Oh, it was really lovely. Yeah, it really was. And it again, like this kind of reminded me of exposure therapy, that if that's what you fear, you slowly expose yourself to it. There's a kernel of a good idea in her philosophies. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that I yeah. trust the hands it's in. Oh, by the way, in the liver thing, she recommended cilantro. It's really good for ah, a right. heavy metal cleanse. And then she said she hates cilantro. Yeah, but it's still, it's good for you. I wonder if it tastes like soap to her. Some people have a yeah. genetic switch that makes them mm-hmm. taste cilantro-like. So I'm so glad I don't have that. Me because too. I love I cilantro. I love some cilantro. Mm-hmm. I do have the mm-hmm. one that makes spinach bitter, though. Oh, weird. Just raw spinach. And I thought everyone thought it was bitter. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Until eighth grade. Here's another tealism. We'll hit on some general topic. In this case, it was shame. And she'll say, you guys interested in understanding shame? Oh, right. To the audience? No. Nope. Nope. Don't want to don't understand not it. Not interested. Please move on. Yeah. No, the answer is always yes. She said, it's, it's not even an emotion. It's a biological reaction, like fight or flight response. Okay, that doesn't help me understand it better than emotion, but okay. Yeah, she might have said more. That's what I wrote down. Ah, okay. Here's another good quotable, though. To love is to make something part of yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm right. down with that. Yeah. Teal uttered, Ross and Carrie approved. <laughs> so next we get guest eight, a white woman with curly hair, probably in her 40s. She had a rose-colored sweater. And she said, I have cystic acne. And Teal was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Your body won't process toxins properly. I remember her now. That's where that liver discussion came from. Yeah, yeah. So she said that Ritalin had shut down her liver while she was on it. I don't know if that happens or not. I mean, it's certainly a strong medicine, but haven't heard of that before. I like that she kind of stood up to Teal because Teal would give her grief for being on these medicines. She said, I was a kid. I had no choice in the matter. She also had a very nervous presence. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And very nervous body language. Yeah. Too. Really kind of shaky, repeated things a lot. So, yeah, she needs to find the root of her shame through process. And she should ask herself when she feels shame, what am I rejecting? That was okay. the advice she went away with. All right. I'll go back to your seat. Yeah. So next we have this 57-year-old man who had been married for 19 years. We're going to call him Aaron. I think at some point he shared that he was Greek. Yeah, you had to fill me in on this because I, I came back from a bathroom break and oh, okay. they, were, they were pretty hot and heavy into it. Oh, man. Yeah, this one got deep. So he's wearing jeans and a gray sweatshirt. And he said that he felt that his wife hadn't been he said, caring for him emotionally or sexually. So he started going out to get what he called touch for pay. So it sounds like he went to a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Then he ended up confessing to his wife. And his plan was, okay, we're just going to get a divorce. I'm sure this will end things. But in the process of confessing, he was shocked at how well she reacted and you know how loving she was and her forgiveness. And it really reminded him of why he married her and why he loves her so right. much. And now what do I do? And then he was saying, well, and now we're doing great and she's taking care of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> doing all the things a wife should. He mm-hmm. kept having these 
various ways of saying she's having sex with me again. Mm-hmm. So Teal said, oh, well, is she here? And he said, yes. And she said, well, come on up. So the wife who had been taping this comes up and sits next to him. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And, and when she gets up there, I mean, you can see this is raw pain, you know? Mm-hmm. She knew. She always kind of knew she had met the sex worker at some point, and she oh, wow. had intuited kind of what was going on. Okay. And she seemed more mad at the sex worker than at her husband. Huh. She okay. said, like, well, she should have known. He's a married man with two kids. Uh-huh. You, it's always strange to me when this happens, when someone's partner cheats. It seems like and, he should have known that as well. Right. Yeah, it's weird to me if, like, Bob cheats on Jane... And Jane's mad at Cynthia, who he cheated with. I'm always like, aren't you mad at Bob? (laughs) Right. Like, you can be mad at both, but but you certainly shouldn't be lopsidedly mad at just... What's her name? That hussy? Cynthia? Yeah, Cynthia. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We're going to get letters from women named Cynthia. (laughs) I, I was cheated on once, and... I had no anger at the woman. Mm -hmm. I was mad at the old bad boyfriend. Well, hey, we're not always rational. Yeah, that's true. He mentioned that though they've been together for 19 years, for six years, they were not sharing the same bed even. Wow. Yeah. He kept peppering in little details like this. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's serious. That's pretty bad. And then he said something interesting. He said he felt like his wife was compromising the truth of herself for the relationship. She couldn't really be herself. Yeah. And he said, I think part of that is because I tend to compare her to my ex-fiance. Right, from a long time ago. Yeah, in a kind of unfair way. This is probably Teal's best moment where I was like, okay, good job, Teal. So he said, and I'm committed to her. And he gestures to his wife and Teal said, well, she doesn't believe that. And you could see that in her eyes, you know, that like she doesn't know that yet. And she said, you know, you have to re-earn her trust. She's right not to trust you right now, you know, and you're going to have to work for that. And that was his work. And I was like, okay, that was a logical bit of homework. And said without any weird metaphors. Right. (laughs) I was confused as they were talking. What is the real problem here? Because you've said we've worked through a lot of issues. We know we're not in a perfect state yet, but we love each other now. Both of them were very willing to say that and we're working on it. So it just seemed like they were in a pretty healthy place already. But then we kept going back to sort of dig up the past. I feel like the whole explanation of that weird dynamic is that Teal positions herself as the sort of all-knowing being who can see into your body and read your thoughts. So if you buy that, then you just want to get near her so whatever comes to mind, she can tell you. And you might not have a particular question. Uh, yeah, yeah. But she's on the other side of this, probably, and this is me speculating, probably not seeing your thoughts. <laughs> and so she needs a question to go off of. Right. Yeah. I think that explains that weirdness that came up with a few guests. But she also gave good advice saying that it's never going to be perfect. That pain is always going to be there. Mm-hmm. And you just have to make it part of your relationship if you're going to stay together. Yeah. And yeah, Fair good enough. advice. Fair enough. Teal was done at this point. Yeah. Everybody gets a huggy. So Blake came out to give some announcements. Blakey. Yes. He said that Teal has a new book coming out soon about loneliness. The Anatomy of Loneliness. And then Teal said, you know, every crime comes down to loneliness. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true either. Hmm. I'm sure it's all true, though. I just see her leading people through this process of hers 
and getting them to say that. And also, I think it reflects probably her worst fear. Mm. That's so often the case with these groups is like, oh, well, you've taken your own little neuroses and decided everybody has them. All of you get to work through my issues. (laughs) Right. We're going to do it together. And then she encouraged us to help her get on the bestseller list Mm -hmm. by, you know, buying her book. Oh, and then she said, I'm going to ruin the bestseller list for you. This is how they do it. As soon as a book comes out, an author just gets all their friends to buy their book and they buy copies of their book. And that's how we can't do that. We can't outbuy them. So we need you to help us. I'm sure that is one way to inflate your status. but But hey, if you buy the book in advance, you can send your receipt to gifts at tealswan.com and you'll get a free audiobook of I think it's the book I got the completion process there you go and that's gifts with a t not gifts like <laughs> I don't know why I'm clarifying this not and like a dancing bear not like the g- graphic interchange format no right okay good she also mentioned that there is going to be a curveball retreat in Utah in December that's her favorite event yeah and the state where she was raised And then Blake made a joke about how he's just starting to listen to Teal right now, 15 years in. And there was a couple little jokes back and forth about how she's she's very demanding. She's never satisfied. And she left us with one final metaphor. Yeah, she had a little closing statement. Your passion is the wave. Your resistance is the anchor. Pull the anchor up. All right, it's one of her better metaphors. Yeah, yeah, I kind of liked that one. She also told us that we've all been lied to. You don't have to work hard for spiritual enlightenment. Oh, we were told earlier that spiritual growth isn't comfortable. Uh But now she's saying what? But it's, you don't have to work hard. It's not comfortable, but you don't have to work hard. It's easy, but not comfortable. All right. All right. All right. All right. (laughs) All right, Teal. I'm sure it's all true. Well, that was it for our experience. Oh, I should mention, by the way, this whole time there was a bodyguard up front. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Who uh, I I didn't see any firearms on him or anything like that. He just wore a a dark suit. Glanced back and and forth. In a dark shirt. Yeah, and he just kind of had a wary eye on everybody when he wasn't, you know, sort of semi-falling asleep. But... There was only one. I know that she has many times mentioned that she always has like five paid security guards around her. Yeah, and she said, I don't know one other spiritual leader who's had to have bodyguards. Well, goodness. Well, there's a lot. You should look into it. You should Google it. You should meet Melissa Scott, who is surrounded at all times by scads of men in suits with Mm -hmm. earpieces. Dalai Lama. Yeah, they've, they've got you beat, Teal. And then, yeah, it's kind of anticlimactic. She, we, everyone did rise and clap for her as and she, she left. She walked out in her statuesque way. I was going to say about her posture, she even commented on this. When she is talking to someone and they're in those low chairs together, she's on the edge of the chair. She's leaning forward. She looks really engaged. And, you know, I imagine her back would be sore after a long day full of this because she really hunches in there. But she doesn't hunch over like a cat she like leans but with her full carrie's Carrie's doing this this whole part is straight not like this that's true okay carrie's showing how her her back remains straight it is not arched yeah Yeah, that's true but even even still she was talking about how she's physically exhausted after a day of this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. seemed about right she also sits in the man spreading position oh a little bit yeah yep we'll post pictures so that was it for the workshop. We were all just dismissed. We kind of wandered out and went yeah. back to our lives. We were all synchronized at that point. And as we left, 
Carol said, well, I guess I'll see you. And I felt felt bad. I felt like I was supposed to exchange numbers or something. We We did follow each other on Instagram. Okay, I was going to say, we did give her our contact info. She wanted to talk to me more about... Oh, okay, good. Animation. Oh, that's right. She's a graphic designer. So she knows how to reach me. Okay, well, she's got me on the Instagram. Jennifer sent me money for lunch because we had all eaten right. at the uh, Indian food place. You, so, very, you kindly comped Carol oh, yeah. for her cuisine because she didn't care for yeah, well, well, it was clear she cutlery. didn't like the food. And it sure sounded like she didn't have enough money to really yeah, be affording a meal. But now I'm connected to Jennifer on Venmo. Okay. Send her a note. <laughs> I won't. I. <laughs> I won't. She she was super sweet. I would say that was one of the highlights was getting to meet our two new friends. Yeah. They were great. Our best friends. Our best friends now. Well Sorry, I, Claire. You know you know what? I, I will say that was a really nice aspect of the convention is that you get to know some new people on a really deep level. You feel yeah. like you could really confide in them. And and I think Teal does use this where she'll pair people up together and say, hey, you're now sort of bonded together mm-hmm. and you can be accountability partners. That's all cool. I it's like also it. always nice to hear someone else has the same hangups as you. And mm-hmm. It's interesting. I felt that more from our small group than from the people she called up who supposedly I had chosen. Right. <laughs> you helped choose. Yeah. And I don't think anyone went up where I was like, oh, yeah, no, I get that. Like, I have that problem, too. I do feel about Teal Swan in a way that I do. I think about Tony Robbins. I think she does help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But I think she also confuses and maybe misleads a lot of other people. Yeah. It's kind of a hit and miss. And I'm not sure what the ratio of hits are to misses. Yeah, and what do you accept as an okay ratio? You know, like if a if right. a doctor kills three out of a hundred patients, we don't say at ninety seven percent success, right? <laughs> right. You know, so yeah, you have to decide like, okay, well, what's the threshold of what's okay? Right, and we can't even expect a professional clinical psychologist or psychiatrist to be a hundred percent in their right. judgments either, but. There's a process behind that of their certification, right. of standards, of shared new knowledge. That's what it always comes down to is like everybody's sharing information. That's mm-hmm. all academia is. That's all sciences and sciences is, yeah, like, okay, we're going to collect all the information that everybody else got and we're going to teach it to you so it lives in your head and then as you're coming up with new conclusions you're building on the last one and you share that with more people and there's this interconnected web of information instead of all these lone wolves coming up with it on their own and maybe getting close to the truth but not as close as you could. And it feels like so often what someone like Teal has found is a shortcut to getting that prestige and having that influence on people's lives but without necessarily getting to it uh, the the best way, the right right way. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like if you took Teal and you plucked her out of 2018 and sent her back to 1800, she probably would be an improvement Mm -hmm. on like the current, you know, knowledge of psychology. Because she does have a lot to offer that that she has absorbed from collective knowledge. And things that are, you know, close to good psychology. But compared to what we've got now... Well, we're going to have a couple awesome guests on. We're going to talk more about Teal and maybe about a few aspects that we haven't delved into. For one, the question of whether what she's running is a cult or not. Right. I I think that's something you can debate about. And also one thing we haven't mentioned here, though we gave you the little warning up top, 
is that she does court people who have suicidal thoughts in her videos and in her keywords that she uses. She to talks a lot views. about that subject and doesn't yeah. shy from it at all. Right. And her point of view is basically that people have the right to end their lives. Death isn't nearly as bad as we act like it is. She'll say things like suicide is a reset button. Reset button. Yeah. That's oof. And so she ha- there have been a few followers of hers or at least two that I know of that have lost their lives to suicide. So we're also going to be talking to our interviewees about that. And in the meantime, you might want to check out The Gateway by Gizmodo. I think it'll be very relevant. Great podcast series. Very, very good. Who knows who will be on? I just couldn't say. say. (laughs) Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. This episode was edited by Victor Figueroa. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. You can support us by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate, D-O-N-A-T-E. Help send us to more Teal Swan seminars. That would be a mighty nice thing of you to do. Or other seminars. We would greatly appreciate it. You can also support us by telling your friends about us, by trapping them in your car and driving them somewhere Mm -mm, and mm -mm, playing mm -mm. the... Okay, maybe maybe they agree to get in your car. Okay, better. Or you could give us a positive review on iTunes mm-hmm. or Spotify. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> sure. Or you could try. Travel guide. Why not? Uh, hey, speaking of, we're Kelly Blue Book approved, Ross. Oh my goodness. Yes, that's right. Finally, we have been trying for so long to get that Kelly Blue Book approval. Somebody sent us this video. Oh, you know what? It was my friend Eric Dierdorf. It's a he, review of some sort <laughs> like of- Like a Hyundai Elantra or something. And, and there's just this moment where they're demonstrating that you can plug in and listen to stuff on your iPhone, and you see on the person's screen for half a second that they're listening to Oh No, Ross and Carrie. It's so great. That I, made our days. I think his name was Micah, maybe? Anyway, if you're listening, hi, Kelly Blue Book guy. You have great resale value. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can also like us on Facebook, and there you'll find all kinds of cool supplemental material, pictures, videos, articles, etc., etc., conversations, etc., etc. Et or follow us on Twitter at Ono Podcast. And remember, from a lost wilderness, a slow motion movie plays. I see myself as a child, the simplicity of running barefoot, of mud across my face. My feet had never walked across the lifelessness of pavement. My hands had never run across the truculence of metal and glass. I was unknown yet to the world. Did I leave behind that simplicity, thinking that significance would taste good? The more they see me, the less they see me, the more of a projection I become. Whatever they need me to be, so that they can love me. Whatever they need me to be, so that they can hate me, instead of themselves. No more simplicity. I have a calling that has lured me away from that wilderness. It has thrust me into the lifelessness and truculence of the world. The churches of my tears scream a eulogy, a eulogy for the joy that once belonged to the people. They do not miss it, because they do not remember it. Instead, they walk the pavement, feeling as if something has been lost. And the earth grows louder, louder to try to reach them, through that pavement, and metal, and glass, like the voice of a madman locked behind the depraved walls of an asylum. It is the madman who is sane. It is the madman who is sane. 
the secret is out. I, Open Mike Eagle, officially had a wrestling match. And on the next Tyson Fights, I'm talking all about it. From the rap battles that got it started. Open Mike, you ain't ready. to how I hurt myself in ways I didn't know I could. That day and the day before, I got so many texts from people who really care about me who were like, please don't break your neck. <laughs> the only place you can get the full story is on the newest episode of Tights and Fights. Find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.